I'm Christine Dolan, and this is American Conversations, and I'm here with my colleague, Todd Wood, and Christina Bob. Christina, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Well, we, we, we're having you on today because you've written a book about the campaigns and about the elections, and uh, you've gotten into the deep weeds about the battleground states. So tell, tell us how you decided to, to write this book, because you're a lawyer, you've been an anchor in OAN, you've been blogging and journaling for a long time, and you also are in the middle of the storm with the uh, raid right. last August down, down in Mar a Largo. But tell, tell us how you, know, you decided to take this on, because you were following the elections for a long time. Right, so I was an, a, a journalist for One American News on November 3rd at the White House covering the election, the 2020 election. And I had a similar reaction to what I think a lot of Americans had. I was really surprised. To me, it looked very clear that Donald Trump had a very clear path to victory, uh, not just by the numbers on election day, but his rallies had been enormous and Joe Biden had struggled to fill a high school gymnasium. I just thought it looked obvious that America was going to reelect Donald Trump. And so when they called when Fox called Arizona for Joe Biden very early, that kind of, you know, triggered something for me like, hey, that's kind of weird. Why are they doing that? And I started digging into that a little bit and I, I couldn't find a legitimate reason to call Arizona. And then states like Pennsylvania and Arizona, where Donald Trump was winning, had a, a clear margin to victory, a clear path to victory, they stopped the counting. And they said, oh, we're going to stop it. You know, we'll, we'll finish later. Uh, we're going to let the workers go home. Then you saw in Georgia, some of the workers went home. It wasn't clear. Did some go home? Who got to stay? What was the issue there? And so I just thought it was very obscure and it did not look clean to me. So as a reporter, I just started investigating. I started contacting state and local officials, uh, whether they were elected officials, state senators, uh, representatives, county clerks, county workers, election volunteers. I mean, anybody and everybody that I could talk to, I just started interviewing them. Um, I was on the ground for months and months, most of 2020 and most of 2021. I was on the ground in Arizona, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, you know, kind of all over the country doing this investigation. And I was doing it as a reporter for One American News. So I was reporting, you know, what I was hearing. But when you're reporting, you get, you know, five to seven minutes. And, and I would be on the ground for hours and hours and hours talking to people. And then I had to summarize it. And so I was just taking copious notes of everybody that I was talking to uh, to learn the story. And I like to joke, as I, I mentioned earlier, that uh, I accidentally wrote a book. I had all of my notes of my conversations and what transpired. And I was talking to my editor, who's now my agent, and was like, I, you know, I think I think people need to know this. And so we decided to see if we could put something together. And uh, I think we did. You know, I think it's interesting that most people don't don't know about is that about two weeks before the 2020 campaign and I was on the phone call um, because I was the former political director of CNN. There was a phone call that was basically for journalists to figure out how the 2020 campaign was going to be called that night. AP was on that phone call. CNN, Fox was on that phone call. Wow. And they were, tell they were telling everybody that they were going to do this different, which made perfect sense to me because you had so many mail-in ballots. And the, the whole narrative that, not that day that we were on the phone, they were saying that they were going to explain to the audience on that night of the election that it was going to be a night of wait and see. We're going to have to wait and see that we were going to have to wait and maybe see, uh, you know, maybe a couple days later 
because just of the, the way that it was going to flow. And then the night of the election, when Arizona was called and Maricopa County was not in, my lights went on. And I've mm -hmm. been doing this for decades. So, I mean, I understand when people say, oh, well, you know, you just have to just blow this over. The people that were on the phone call were from Fox. So when they called it that night, I thought, well, there's something more here. And it turned yeah. into be quite a journey. And Todd, you, you, you covered it very much so post 2020. Mm -hmm. So uh, let's get into this. Christina, what yeah. surprised you? Going, no, taking that on, and Todd, you did too, mm -hmm. and then writing a book later, and then having so much kerfuffle, for lack of a yeah. better word. Uh, <laughs> that's a nice way to put it. That's, that's, that's the only way you can put it, I think, on, on the air, politely. <laughs> but there was a kerfuffle all across the country, every place. What surprised you the most when you got into this? What surprised me the most was the Republican response. Uh, mm -hmm. The way I like to summarize the book is Democrats cheated and Republicans covered it up. Uh, I did not expect the mm -hmm. amount of Republican opposition that we all got, all of us that were that I was associated with that were trying to investigate what happened, whether it was me, whether it was another media outlet, whether it was uh, the Arizona Senate, for goodness sake. I mean, elected officials. I talked, I, I, there were many of us that were like, hey, let's let's investigate this. Like, let's take a look at what actually happened. Aud you know, an audit should be fine, right? And I know the, the left was, saying, oh, they're trying to overturn the election. They're trying to overturn the election. If that's what needed to happen, okay, fine. But first, let's just see what happened. Let's take a look at what actually happened in the election. And in all of the states, the Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, Arizona's, Georgia's, and all of those states, the only reason we didn't have a, a clear and transparent audit where the citizens could actually see what happened in their election was because of Republicans in every single state. We never even got to the point where we had to fight Democrats on it because Republicans ran interference every step of the way. Like in Georgia and other places. Yeah. Was, you, yeah. you found that, Todd, in your investigations as well. Yeah, I mean, we've dug into it mainly in Georgia, but uh, with Garland Favorito and-, and that, Yeah, that he's now. a great example. And, and uh, yeah, the, the, the Georgia GOP leadership is, is I say working for someone else. I don't know who they're working for, but they're not working for the people of Georgia. That's yeah, that's yeah. a great question. And it's it's infuriating to see conservatives, those who say they represent conservative Amer Americans, doing the exact opposite of what their mm -hmm. constituents wanted. I mean, in Michigan, you had the president of the Senate, a Republican, mm -hmm. who uh, did said he, he wrote a report. Well, I don't even want to call it an investigation. He wrote a report and submitted it to the Senate that basically said, and remember, this was at a time where over 70% of conservatives wanted an audit. They were concerned about the integrity of the election. And he wrote a report recommending to the Democrat attorney general in Michigan that she investigate and consider prosecuting anybody who tries to look into the election. Yeah, It, it was just outstanding to me. I, I, I couldn't, I, I had a hard time believing it. As frustrating as that is, I will say the silver lining of that is it's controllable. There's a lot that we can do on our side of the aisle to correct this so that we can actually secure 2024. The 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 idea behind this is, oh, it, the elections are so corrupt, it's so bad, give up, give up. And that is not at all true. There's plenty of room for us to make a difference for those of us that care about this issue. And I believe wholeheartedly we can do it before 2024. And I believe wholeheartedly that if we do, Donald Trump will be the next president of the United States. 
I'm always struck by the fact that so many people, and they know better at the networks because I competed with all of them on election night. I'm surprised that it came out so adamantly that there's no corruption in the right. elections. When in fact, we all know county by county, dead people are on the rolls. I yeah. mean, that's, that's just a fact of life. But what I, I've never been able to understand with all the controversy about 2020, why Americans, and it didn't matter to me whether they're Democrats, independent, I don't care who these people are. Mm -hmm why they wouldn't want to clean up the rules. Right, right. No, I, th that's a great point. It was very confusing to me as well. One of the, the lies that was pushed so heavily was the machines weren't connected to the internet. Oh, they're not connected to the internet. There's no way, they're not hackable. All they do is tally. Well, that was very easily proved not to be the case. I mean, they had they eventually had to admit that of course the machines are connected to the internet that's how the tallies get updated you know you watch the numbers spin on these networks well it's because they're connected to the internet and they're getting the tallies uploaded that's it's obviously connected to the internet and eventually they changed their story and said oh yeah yeah okay so they're connected to the internet but there was no hacking and there was no corruption you know everything was fine everything was secure Okay, well, then why did you say they weren't connected to the internet? And then eventually Maricopa County admitted that, oh, yeah, 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 their election information, particularly their voter roll, was hacked during the election. But don't worry, it's totally safe and secure. And they hacked into it, but didn't do anything. Why did they hack into it and not do anything? Let us see that. And of course, they refused to turn that information over. So the lie just kept compounding. And to me, it made no sense because it was like, if there's if there's no problem with if the machines are connected to the internet, I don't care. What I care about is there's no corruption, there's no cheating, there's no vote flipping, there's you know all of the stuff that we were concerned about. Um, but the the lies, there were just so many of them that didn't make any sense. That still, quite frankly, don't make a lot of sense. And the longer they go without uh, clearing it up, I, I think it's because they're lying to cover something up. What's the reaction to the book? I mean, a lot of people, you still have some people who, you know, don't believe this. I mean, are you, yeah. getting, are you turning heads? Are you, are you, um, are, are you changing minds? I mean, or do you yeah. have any feedback already? It hasn't been out that long. But. Yeah, it's been out for about a week and I've, I've had really good feedback so far. Everybody that's read it, you know, mm -hmm. it makes sense that it would be my followers that are the first ones reading it. So the mm -hmm. feedback has all been really, really good. I think they'll have anybody trying to disprove it or say it's not true. I think we'll have a hard time doing that because it's, my personal experience, you know, mm -hmm. I t it's a very, it's a narrative format. And I take you through the investigations and the interviews that I did. And I don't, I don't know how they're going to be able to say that didn't mm -hmm. happen. So, uh, you know, I, I expect the negative comments to come, but thankfully at this point, I'm still on my followers reading the book and uh, they've all been really, really positive. Did you find anybody on anybody that said to you, you know, I want to do something, but my hands are tied? Everybody, like everybody was saying that. Um, so, uh, I mean, yes, in every single state, I like to use Pennsylvania as an example because it's an easy one, but uh, Doug Mastriano, state senator who ran for governor in 2022, uh, he was adamant. He wanted to do something. He wanted to replicate the Arizona audit or something similar to the Arizona audit. And he wanted to do that in Pennsylvania. And I worked with him for a month. You know, I had a nonprofit. We brought him out to Arizona so he and a couple of his colleagues could tour the Arizona audit so they could kind of figure out what would work in Pennsylvania, what wouldn't work, you know, uh, what kind of modifi modifications they would have to make. He was very diligently working to bring an audit to Pennsylvania. And he was shut down by the Republican president of the Senate, Jake Corman, 
who turns out to be running against Doug Mastriano for governor in 2022. Uh, it was a, a whole political, I mean, I go through the whole story. It takes an entire chapter to tell it. It's It's got all of the twists and turns that will infuriate you. But um, but yeah, I mean, that that's exactly what was happening. They were all politicking. They cared more about their politics than they cared about actually doing what the voters wanted and actually doing what needed to happen to make sure that Americans could live with their elections. I have a question. You know, I'm involved, in, I've mentioned before the show that in Florida politics on the GOP side. Yeah. And I've been, we've brought large amounts of data, which has uh, been verified and, and you know analyzed to the election crimes unit in Florida, to the attorney general, uh, to county election supervisors. And there has been absolutely no interest in looking at that or doing anything about it. We've started a podcast called Florida is Not Free. I mean, we've brought Pinellas County whistleblowers, Orange County, Miami-Dade, and it's, it's just crickets. I mean, what yeah. do you think is going on in Florida? Because it's supposed to be the gold standard. Right, it is. Um, I have heard several concerns about Florida. Um, nothing that I myself have you know, had an opportunity at this point to investigate, but certainly we want to make sure that Florida is secure. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think there's any single state in the country that I would say that's, you know, that state has it 100% right. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, not necessarily trying to throw stones at Florida, but I would mm -hmm. say that Governor DeSantis made Florida part of the ERIC system, which mm -hmm. I think completely compromises Florida's voter rolls. I mean, keeping your voter rolls clean are is probably the single most, if there's only one thing you can do, Keep right. your voter roll clean because people can't stuff ballots. They can't traffic ballots. They can't, you know, do the ballot on demand. For, they can't do that stuff if you have a clean voter roll because every ballot needs to be assigned to a legitimate voter. You can't do the crazy mail-in ballot stuff with people that don't exist at, at addresses that don't exist. Um, and it, it, I'm concerned that the voter rolls are now more compromised than ever in Florida. I, I agree. I share yeah. your concern. Well, we, we did a HCOA check, which is a change of address uh, or NCOA, national change of address check. And they were just in Miami-Dade, if I remember correctly, we found 50,000 uh, voters yeah. who were receiving ballots out of the state. And, then, wow. and, these, and a lot of these were even bad addresses. So the ballots were getting returned and somehow harvested in the postal system and then voted. So the addresses didn't even exist. Yeah. But the ballots were getting voted. And so we turned that information in and literally, for some reason, they will not. And it's the same thing in Georgia. So yeah. the GOP won't touch it. Yeah, no, I, I have heard that before. I will give you a little bit of hope in this. Mm -hmm. um, there's a group in California that's been doing that, scrubbing their voter rolls. And mm -hmm. recently, they I mean, they've just been petitioning, petitioning, petitioning. I mean, you know how it goes. It's like banging mm -hmm. your head against a brick wall. But they've been doing it and they've actually started to see some improvement. I mean, they saw improvement mm -hmm. in Shasta County. The clerk actually resigned over the issue um, and they were able to institute some of the changes that they want to change. And this is in California. So mm -hmm. I just want to give you some encouragement yeah. that keep doing it in Florida, you know, keep petitioning, keep bringing it to their attention, you know, have mm -hmm. your the people involved in your grassroots efforts continue to call and email and make a scene about it. When I say make a scene, I mean, you know, legally and in peacefully, of course, but yeah. but raise raise your voice about it because that's the only way that we're going to be able to make change at this point. 
Well, I believe our whistleblower, uh, Chris Gleason in Pinellas, is about to file a RICO case uh, against it because it, it looks to be organized, highly organized. Um, yeah, I think so. it probably is. I'd, I'd love to see that. So my, my question, my next question is, how do we make the American public understand it really is their civic duty to make certain that, I mean, in, you know, the one thing that it's very hard for people to understand is that the rules change state by state. They change right. county by county. But you do have a voice in, in, in how how the votes are taken, how the votes are counted, okay? I, I mean, yeah. yes, you have the rules of the county and the rules of the state, and yes, it's going to be politicized. But at the same time, that it, that their vote is not just on the voting day. Their vote is, is should be, part of their civic duty should be that their vote actually counts. Yep, you're exactly right. So I, mean, how, I mean, how do we get past that? Because to me... That's really important. You know, it takes a certain journalist and it takes, you know, tenacity because you get into the weeds of it and it can be over. It's voluminous. There's no doubt about it. It's, yeah. You have to know the rules. You have to know the people. You have to know who lies, who doesn't lie, who's who's honest. Did they have machines? Was it hooked up? Who, you know, who owned the machines? Who right. had the contract? Who made the contract? Um, because I had several secretaries of state tell me before 2020 when i asked them about the machines oh christine they're not corrupt i said look the internet's corrupt don't don't right. i don't have to know anything about tech i know that the internet's corrupt because we've got child trafficking all over the internet we've got people selling drugs over the internet so this is this isn't you know we've got money laundering over the internet so this this is a tool of the trade of criminals so how do we get the public engaged because I think that's, I to me that would be the greater the greater conversation for your book, Christina, coming out of this. Yeah, no, I mean that is the crux of it is the public needs to get involved I, because, to your point, it it matters at precinct levels, it matters at county levels, and the way we resolve this is by having everybody secure their precinct and everybody secure their county. If we all just took care of our own precinct in our own county, we'd have a secure election because they'd all be taken care of. And so we have to have Americans get involved. And I give examples in the book of some really great patriots. One of my favorite examples to use is the group Audit the Vote PA. It was started by a couple of stay-at-home moms who saw what happened in 2020 and were outraged. And they said, I'm not, I'm not leaving, you know, I'm not going to leave a mess to my children. We're going to save this country. And so they started Audit the Vote PA. And the work they've done has been phenomenal, whether it's canvassing, you know, all of the research, the investigative work petitioning their government, trying to make changes. And they're doing really, really great work in areas within Pennsylvania. Now, certainly there's other areas of Pennsylvania where their change still needs to come. However, anybody who would like to get involved and do something, I would say, take a look at Audit the Vote PA and what they're doing and do it in your local area. You know, talk about the, the stuff in Florida where mm -hmm. petitioning the local leaders and all that, even if you haven't had breakthrough yet, keep going because 2024, I believe, is a crucial election. It could potentially be our last fair-ish election. Uh, I do believe there's corruption in it right now, but we're working to secure it. And I think we absolutely have enough time to secure it before the election, but it's going to take us doing it. I mean, we saw from 2020 to 2022, you know, we okay. looked back, we sat back and said, you know, what are those state leaders going to do? Are they going to pass voter ID laws? Are they going to get rid of the drop boxes? Are they going to uh, harness the mail-in mail ballot issue. And we watched and no, you know what? They sure didn't. And so I'm, we, we don't have the luxury to sit back and hope that they do it before 24. We have to get involved and make it happen. 
So let's, to that point, uh, I saw you on uh, War Room the other day, and uh, you mentioned a lot of these points. What can you drill? I mean, you're an attorney on the campaign. Can you tell yeah. us what the Trump campaign is doing to ensure this happens? I mean, I know a lot of Mike yeah. Mill and other groups are going and what they're doing, but what is, what's going on behind the scenes for election integrity in Trump in Maryland? Yeah. Well, we're certainly coordinating with many groups. I mean, the great thing about it, about this issue after 2020 was there were many great grassroots efforts that popped up and I'm certainly mm -hmm. working with as many of them as I possibly can. And as the campaign continues to grow, you know, we'll mm -hmm. be including all of that. But I'm also working with the RNC. I know everybody's mm -hmm. gonna roll their eyes at in a moment, but mm -hmm. we have to use the resources that we have. And I will say that the senior leaders that I've worked with at the RNC, for me and my, my efforts have been helpful. Uh, they have, I don't know the number off the top of my head, but it's well over a hundred, probably a few hundred open cases litigating specifically election processes and election mm -hmm. issues in all of the 50 states. So we're, you know, we continue with the litigation route. And then of course, uh, getting, trying to get out and educate people about what actually happened and how you can get involved, working with state and local county GOPs seeing, you know, some are more active than others, some are better responsive than others, but we're working with all of them. And where some lack, you know, you work with grassroots efforts and, mm -hmm. and get folks involved in that way. So we're, we're taking a multi-level approach, whether it's working with, you know, state legislators or uh, litigation or grassroots, we're, we're going at it from every angle that we possibly can. So I want to know about the, the you know, Mark Elias from the DNC, right. the lawyer who was at Perkins Coyle, who, who also was involved with the Steele dossier. He was involved in the last go around in, in 2022, yeah. uh, pre-election, after the election. I mean, he's 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 been around for years. Are you running into him again? Because he's always trouble. Um, so I, thankfully, you know, I haven't, I have not crossed paths with him. We may, we're, my guess is, you know, I'm trying to do, undo everything he's trying to do and he's trying to undo everything I'm trying to do. We're on opposite mm -hmm. ends of it. Uh, but I, I, I don't work with him and I know I don't cross paths with him. But you, I'm, I'm talking about just even competing with him. Has he shown up yet? Because I suspect he will be showing up. Oh, he, yes. He's always up to something. Like he's always out working, trying to uh, finagle an angle for Democrats to, you know, have complete power. So, yes, I have no doubt that he's out working on something right now. All right. So so going into 2024, have you figured out which states that that people are going to focus on to really mess up the votes? Have you, have you, have you gotten into the weeds of that yet or is it just too soon? Um. I, I, right now, I think we're focusing on kind of the obvious ones, right? You've got Pennsylvania, yeah. Arizona, mm -hmm. Wisconsin, Michigan, Georgia, Nevada, Florida. Um, so North Carolina. So it's, you the, know, it's, the, it's the same ones. I think it's they, the same they, ones for now. Yeah. I mean, certainly we'll, we're, we're paying attention to all 50 states naturally. Um, mm -hmm. But yes, I, I think my biggest concerns are the same states. Yeah. And then it may be, depending upon who decides not to run for the Senate or something right. like that, right. what, what, what they'll add to that. So the upside, what, what is the takeaway for the public to know that there's hope, Christina, or? Absolutely. There's absolutely hope, but it, but we have to get involved. We can't just sit back and hope that somebody else does something about it. This is an all hands on deck moment, but I believe that if we all do get involved, I think we will right this ship. The way I like to describe it is the Democrats have an advantage in the sense that 
they've put this apparatus in place with the mail-in voting and the drop boxes, and they've put all of these mechanisms in place to give them an advantage, which they have an advantage. Our advantage is that there's way more of us than them. And so the only way we can take advantage of our advantage is to actually have everybody involved and everybody throw your weight behind securing our elections. And if we do that, I do believe our elections will be secure and we will have President Trump back in office. So we did a lot of polling last year at CD Media. CD, CD, we partnered with Big Data, Rich Barris, uh, CD Media Big Data Poll. And um, I think we were very accurate. But are, are you seeing, um, and, and as, a, as opposed to a lot of the fake polls that are out there, I mean, you've had all over the map with the Santos Trump right now. And I think we're right. probably going to do one of those. Um, do, do you interact as a campaign with a lot of these pollsters that are you know, showing numbers that are just obviously not real? I mean, well, you look into the, the you know the, the data underneath, and, and try we to don't look at the fake polls. I mean, we don't worry about the fake polls. The polls yeah. have always been fake surrounding uh, Donald Trump. I mean, John mm -hmm. McLaughlin is President Trump's pollster, who he uses uh -huh. in trust, and uh, okay. he shows President Trump's numbers are outstanding. You know, mm -hmm. double digits, twenty plus points um, above DeSantis, mm -hmm. and I expect mm -hmm. it to stay there and probably widen. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it always goes up and up and down depending on sure. the campaign. But I, I, I'm not personally worried about the primary for Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's any conservative that conservative, if you call Republicans conservatives, mm -hmm. um, I don't think there's anyone who can do what Donald Trump does. Not even DeSantis. I mean, Donald Trump made DeSantis. Not I, I like him. I live here in Florida. I voted for him. I would vote for him again. Mm -hmm. But this is Donald Trump's movement and Donald Trump mm -hmm. is going to start what he finished. And I don't think there's anybody who can hold a candle to what Donald Trump has done. So he's going to run the best campaign, Republican or Democrat. Nobody can run a campaign better than Donald Trump. I think it's going to come down to, are there enough people involved to secure our local elections? Can you get us an interview with the big guy? I certainly can ask. <laughs> I'm probably doing you're that. <laughs> Years ago, Christina, I was a, I was uh, asked to be the spokesperson for the 1990 USA Nelson Mandela tour. Wow. And they didn't have a plane and they didn't have a bank account at that point in time. And I had to think, well, who do I know that had a, had a plane that I could call up that would see the value of this? I yeah. made one phone call. I had a 20 minute conversation and it was Donald Trump. He gave us the plane. And years later, when, when he was running for president and Harry Belafonte called him a racist, I thought to myself, Harry, don't you remember that you were on the plane for the Mandela tour? Because we had the we had the um, South African and it was it was eight or nine cities wow. at the time. It started in June of 1990. But we hopped from city to city, from uh, from New York to Boston, to D.C., to Atlanta and West and uh, ended up in Oakland, California. But it was Donald Trump's and it said Trump on the on the um on the tail of the plane. That's mm -hmm. awesome. Yeah, and it was, and it was, people often ask me, you know, what was it like to negotiate with Donald Trump? I said, it was 20 minutes. He was gracious. He called me up okay. uh, to find out if, you know, if everything was going well. And I said, yes, we got the plane out of Crondelet in St. Louis. And, um, you know, I couldn't get him a one-on-one. -on -one. I couldn't even get Bernie Shaw and a lot of people, even um, Brian Gumbel, a one-on-one -on -one with Mandela. And um, and I, 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 but I did invite Donald to one of the meetings with the CEOs in New York at the time. Yeah, he was very great. He was very, wow. very gracious. Yeah, he is. He's very gracious. Yeah. So I always remind people when Harry Belafonte and people say these things about Donald Trump, it's it's, it's not, not what you think. No, it's, it's not, not what you think. Yeah. 
Well, Christina, uh, how, how do people find your book? Um, you know, it's a week old or it's out there, but I mean, tell us, tell us again how, how best they can find your book. Yes, thank you. It's called Stealing Your Vote, The Inside Story of the 2020 Election and What It Means for 2024. You can get it on Amazon or wherever books are sold. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Christina underscore Bob or Truth and Getter at Christina Bob. Christina, thank you very much for joining us and good luck with the book and good luck on the campaign trail. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time.